1: All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by Rich Fan, who is a contributor to buffalowins.net. He is going to be here talking with us about the Buffalo Bills, this upcoming week four matchup, and uh, other things going on uh, with his uh, favorite football team.
0: You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast
1: on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Rich, welcome to the show. This is a, usually on this podcast, we do a little fan Friday sort of thing where we bring on a uh, usual, usually it's a listener to this podcast and I chat with them for a couple of minutes and and get their insights. This week is a little unique simply because uh, you and I go way back Um, for the listeners. uh, Rich was my, uh, my resident advisor when I was a freshman at the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, this was just an opportunity I, I could not pass up to talk to Rich on this podcast, get his <laughs> thoughts on uh, things going on with his favorite team, because they are bring a little bit more drama um, than your average team, I guess, nowadays.
0: Yeah, going on 18 years without playoffs. So things tend to get a little stressful.
1: Yeah. So I, I wanted to do this... Um, and, and and talk with Rich, catch up with Rich. I haven't really talked to him a lot over the years since uh graduation. Um hopefully we won't get too uh mired down and reminiscing about Permanent sandwiches and, and other things that happened at, at, during our time at Pitt. But uh well, let let's get into it, Rich. Let's let's talk about um this upcoming matchup between the Falcons and the Bills. I, I talked to other Bills fans and it seems like no one's really got expectations Um, going into this week, that the Bills will come out of Atlanta with a win. But I think most Bills are looking at it as sort of a litmus test to see sort of really if this team's defense, which is currently ranked number one in the NFL in terms of points allowed, is legitimate um, and whether or not they can sort of slow down a a high-powered offense like the Falcons.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think I have no illusions that the Bills are going to be able to beat the Falcons but I think seeing the defense and seeing how the offense rebounds after their week one uh, 190 yard plus rushing day against the Jets they've been kind of shut down the last two weeks so seeing uh running against an undersized front like the Falcons front seven with the exception of uh one of my favorite players in the draft year he came out greasy crazy Grady Jarrett um it's going to be very interesting to see how they measure up to those guys and one of the perennial powerhouses now
1: of the NFC. Do you do you expect the Bills to sort of be able to get their running game back on track? You, you just mentioned whether or not they could, but are you expecting that this um, is a game where the, the Bills can get back to sort of what they want to do offensively, which is uh, feed LaShawn McCoy and uh, let that sort of open up their play action and, and maybe have Tyrod take a couple of shots down the field?
0: My concern is the lack of speed at the wide receiver position. They have uh Clay, Kay- Clay from, they traded with the Panthers to acquire him, and he's kind of like a speed merchant, other than their rookie, uh, Zay Jones. So my concern is really it's going to be the arm of Matt Ryan. If Ryan and the Falcons often get up big like they have in their first few games, I don't think they'll have the ability to run because they'll be trying to play catch up, which is a dangerous uh, proposition for a new offense against what would be a swarming defense in that new stadium.
1: Yeah, I think you know certainly. I think the the key to the Bills, if they're going to have a lot of success, is really sort of getting Atlanta off to a slower start, which sort of puts them more in a position um, that favors them, where it's not necessarily a sort of shootout and they get a little bit too one-dimensional, since that's not necessary the strength of Buffalo, but, uh, we'll, we'll see how it does. I, I think they have an opportunity to do so. Cause I think the defense, as I mentioned before, is, you know, it is, it, it, uh, it may not be the best defense in the NFL pound for pound when you would look at it, but they are p- performing at a high level. And I certainly think they can do enough to sort of, uh, slow down the Falcons a little bit potentially. And, and, uh, particularly if they can sort of win the line of scrimmage and, and put pressure on Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, one thing I look at when I look at the Falcons is I see the Falcons, I see you guys as a team akin to the uh, mid-90s, early-2000s Colts, where as long as that offense is humming, the defense doesn't have to be world beaters. You just have to force teams to run 10-play drives. And a team like the Bills, as much as I appreciate Tyrod and the offense and what they do, they're not built to play 10-play drives. There's gonna, something's going to go wrong. And the amount of pressures, Tyrod is the third most pressured quarterback, if I looked at PFF scores correctly, in the NFL the last few weeks. So I think even with Vic Beasley, I believe he's, if he's not out, he's been limited, right?
1: Oh, he's out, yeah. He's going to miss a couple more games with the torn hamster. They're talking about him him coming back sooner than later, but that's just, uh, at least I interpret that as Dan Quinn saying things that sound good as opposed to saying things that are actually true. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm I'm quite used to that with some of the Bills old coaches. But yeah, I think even with Beasley out, I think the the, the Falcons, the way that defense is built, sure, in the run game, they're going to be able to, uh, maybe make some hay in terms of the Bills running and doing things well with Shady. But one of the biggest concerns for me, and I don't know if my compatriots, uh, you talked to earlier this week, uh, uh mentioned it, the right tackle position of the Bills, uh, is manned by Jordan Mills, which is, uh, he's, a to me, he's an inferior tackle. And then at left tackle, uh, Cordy Glenn, who's one of my favorite linemen on the Bills, has been hobbled by injury, and he has yet to practice this week. So I'm presuming their rookie, Deion Dawkins, will be playing there. And so you have a rookie and a substandard right tackle against one of the fastest defenses, even if you know they're not necessarily the quote-unquote best defense. I think that's going to give both edges problems, which in turn will give Tyrod problems getting out of there.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, I you know, I, Dawkins, I, I understand, you know, he, he gave up an early sack to Von Miller last week. And I mm-hmm. think people sort of were like, oh, no, here we go. And then he, he he played fairly well the rest of the game. So um, we'll see how he does against Adrian Claiborne, who, who will primarily be the guy that's lining up against him if he gets that start at left tackle. And then Jordan Mills, you're right, he is inferior is probably a kind way of putting it, at least looking at his overall body of work. Uh, both in Buffalo and Chicago. So I do imagine the Falcons with Brooks Reed and Tack McKinley, um, who's you know the rookie that they drafted this year, it's starting to come on now. Um, I think both of those guys will have plenty of opportunities to create pressure as well as the guys on the interior with Don Terry Poe and, and your boy Grady Jarrett.
0: Yeah. I, I really think it's going to be a long day for that line and I'm hoping to be proven wrong, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating what's going to be is going
1: to be. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it certainly helps the Falcons that they're playing at home, so the crowd noise will definitely be in their favor. Uh, allow those guys to get a little bit of a jump and, and maybe create some false starts that sort of uh, cause, you know, particularly when you have a young guy like Deion Dawkins playing. Probably this will. I, I'm I'm pretty confident this will be the the loudest game he's ever played in his life. Um, you know, he could be a little bit discombobulated early on. Uh, as he tries to make that adjustment to playing indoors in the in the in the magnitude of uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Now with Mercedes-Benz,
0: because I I watched the Packers game and I didn't get really a feel. Is it built to be a sound stage, kind of like how uh, Emerald City is for the Seahawks, or is it something where um, it isn't as loud yet as where it, what it's going to be, say, in a year or two?
1: I honestly don't know because I remember when they were building it, they were talking about, you know, some designs that were sort of to enhance the acoustics. Um, But I don't, there hasn't been a lot of talk about that recently. So I don't know sort of how that was implemented or whether that was implemented um, effectively. Um, So I don't know. I, I, you know, I imagine I'm just basically assuming that it's going to be just as loud as the Georgia Dome was. 'cause I, I would imagine that they built a stadium that wouldn't be less loud um than that, and so I think it's gonna be pretty loud in there, particularly at this point in the season when um you know people are you know when the falcons are doing well, typically uh falcon fans tend to to show out I know that that sounds a little disparaging to falcon fans, but uh it is one of those things where um you know, they'll they'll definitely show up and they'll they'll hold up their end of the bargain, I think, in that equation. Awesome. Um you, you mentioned Tyrod. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it because um I know you were not happy, at least judging from your tweets at the time when the Bills made those trades late in the summer, sending Sammy Watkins to LA and sending Ronald Darby to Philadelphia. Um, and basically, seemed to be in the market of accumulating picks for 2018, with the expectation, I, I imagine, at least the only thing that made sense to me, um, trading two, of, probably, arguably two of your best players um, for for picks, um, was so that they can sort of accumulate the uh, assets that they would potentially need to move up into that 2018 draft early in the draft to acquire one of the top young quarterbacks in the league and, and potentially pull off a Jared Goff, Carson Wentz-esque trade or maybe even an RG3-level trade, potentially, if need be, uh, with the expectation that you know this season is going to be the last season um, for Tyrod, if that's the case. And so it seems like, to me, from my perspective, I, I'm a big fan of Tyrod. I feel like he's he's never been the bills have never truly committed to him as a quarterback and i think that's hurt their team in in a lot of ways um i'm just sort of curious sort of how you feel about the situation with the trades how you feel about the team now that they've gotten off to such an impressive start what are your thoughts on tyrod and what are your thoughts on sort of where the the direction of the team and particularly at that quarterback position is headed
0: Well, one of the things I was going to do regardless, just because I enjoy watching college football, one of the things you guys should know, I mean, between Aaron and his roommate at the time, I think we all played Madden and NCAA like entirely more than we should legally admit in public. Uh, so I, I carry that with me even to this day. I love college football, even as a high school coach, because of the variance of the offenses. So this season, I had already started a series called race to QB mountain where I was going to cover the top quarterbacks in the draft. Just in general, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the bills at the time, but then once the new regime came in, it's now taken a very bill centric look. Uh, I think you're right. I think the trades have been made to transition to a new quarterback but I also think, in this strange way, that Sean McDermott, former Falcon, I'm sorry, former Panthers defensive coordinator, uh, he's it, it, <laughs> one of the jokes they made when he was hired is that he's obsessed. He's wrestled. He was in the Foxcatcher team. He learned under coaches that taught at Foxcatcher, and so wrestling becomes this big analogy for him. So I feel like he's a wrestling coach, and he's making his best player try to get a pen with one arm tied behind his back. And if he can do it, he'll make him a varsity player. And if not, he'll bring on the next stud to do it. And that's really what Tyrod has. He doesn't have a deep threat. For a guy who's one of the big, deep best deep ball throwers in the NFL, at least the last three years, according to Pro Football Focus, and any metric you want to use, uh, you took away Sammy Watkins. You've taken away uh, – it's ironic. You look at the Rams and the 49ers game a few weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. Those were all Bills receivers. You had a roster of Robert Wood, Sammy Watkins, uh, Marquise Goodwin. And then on the Patriots, uh, you have uh, uh, two two players. You have Mike Gillisley. And then at wide receiver, you have, uh, his name escapes me, the gentleman who played- Chris Hogan. Uh, uh, Cross. Yeah, Chris Hogan, seven eleven. So you had a lot of speed, but they were never healthy at the same time for Taylor when he was quarterback of the Bills. And now they're all healthy with the exception of Sammy. I think he's in the concussion protocol. So for Taylor, he's dealing with rookie receivers- I mean, one of the biggest things I've seen in the first three games is they really could be 3-0, and if not for a rookie mistake by Zay Jones on fourth down against the Panthers, where he took a corner route and ran it too shallow when the quarterback was trying to throw him up the field and it glanced off his hands incomplete. Uh, so Taylor's kind of put in a position where, I don't want to say he's put in a position to fail, because at the time I felt like it was a 100% that. But now I think it's this almost perverse, like, if you can make it out of this, we will back you. But he's always being put in this position. I mean, those fans uh, were very happy last year when he was benched because they thought it was a good business decision. And to me, benching your starting quarterback because your general manager is unsure if he wants to continue the extension he just signed into that season is foolhardy. And it's a sign of that roller coaster, I think you mentioned when we first started the conversation. One of the biggest things I'm looking for this year, and one of the things I've been very impressed by with the staff is, being two and one going into Atlanta, is not where I thought they would be. I thought maybe one and two, zero oh and three, because I thought maybe they would beat the Jets, but then after that, the parts wouldn't necessarily kind of gel together. But on the defensive side of the ball, they've done a masterful job. I think they are for real. I think they've really undone, which is sad. They've undone in like three games what Rex Ryan did over two years, and now on offense. They're going to have that capital. But I think the biggest issue, Aaron, is when you look at the 2018 draft, right now we already have, quote-unquote, good teams that are 0-3, like the Giants or uh, the Colts. Mm -hmm. The issue is what's going to happen if one of those teams wants to flip their pick for a team that's quarterback needy, that's behind the Bills. Or if you look at the Browns, for instance, they have the Texans' first round pick. If the Texans start to crater, They're going to have two extra shots if they decide to move on from Deshaun Kaiser, the jets are already in a ditch and they're more than willing to lay in it until they can get their top pick. So I think for Buffalo, if they are going to use that draft capital to draft a quarterback, they run the risk of it. Not going to necessarily be a win situation. It's going to be an RG three because whatever team tries to trade with them fees, they have two firsts, two seconds, two thirds picks in 2019 that they can dive into. So, that is going to be a dangerous game to play, coupled with the fact that some of those defenders you'll see on Sunday, Kyle Williams is 34 and this is his contract year. Marcel Darius is a player that the coach also is wishy-washy about. And if you're going to trade or cut him at the end of the year, you now have no defensive tackles. Your middle linebackers are free agent. Uh The corner they traded for Sammy Watkins is free agent. The receiver from the Eagles, Jordan Matthews, they traded for is a free agent. So for all of the talk of they made moves to kind of, For the future and for now, they're putting themselves basically in the same position they would have been in. The only difference is they now have more draft picks. So I'm interested to see if they commit cash to the players they brought in this year as trade uh, assets. Because that also will determine whether or not Tyron Taylor is the guy. Because if he has a report, Jordan Matthews and he's going to stick around, you would want to keep Jordan Matthews. But all of this is going to be determined really over the next 10 games, not necessarily this one.
1: Yeah, I got some more questions I want to ask you, Rich, about what's going on in Buffalo, but first I want to remind the listeners that they can check in on all the NFL shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just check it out at audioboom.com. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog.
0: Bye, goal.
1: I pronounce you by
0: wedding ceremony. Stop at Metro PCS. You get two free phones with twice as much memory. (laughs) Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 plus phones with 32 gigs. When you switch two lines, Metro PCS
1: wireless figured out coverage, not available in some areas sales tax, not included
0: in phone price, excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you say, with the sort of the Bills' sort of immediate future and and sort of with the eye on the quarterback, but having a a bunch of other issues that they have to address. I'm curious sort of how, you know, given this two and one start that the bills have had um, this season with McDermott and and seemingly fixing the defense that Rex Ryan was built to sort of, or hired to sort of build and and failed miserably at. um, And and now what's sort of the expectation that the, Bills are either going to actually make a, a firmer commitment to Tyrod or get a new quarterback. It does seem like things are stabilizing a little bit. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, do you feel like finally now that the Bills have a little bit of stability that they can build off of, given that this is a team that has sort of had turnover, um, churning and, and turnover at the coaching position, as well as in the front office the last... Um, several years and it's really made it difficult them difficult for them to sort of um, in that long streak that you mentioned earlier, where of a a playoff drop.
0: I think one of the best things going for Sean McDermott and his general manager, Brandon Bean, uh, besides the relationship prior to being in Buffalo and Carolina together is with the bills firing Rex Ryan after two years and having Doug Marone leave after two years. There's this stigma of they don't give coaches time to commit, even though I would argue both coaches were not people you should commit to, despite Doug Marone's success not using Blake Bortles as a quarterback in Jacksonville. Um, I think the big thing for them is that they are going to get time. They're going to get out of the five-year contracts both men signed. I would bet my bottom dollar that they gets get four, maybe the full five, there's even any sort of doubt in the ownership's mind because they know they can't become a destination where people see them as you get two years and you're out because they're already at year 18 of the drought. It's not going to be helping anything if you constantly move. I look at the Raiders. They were at 12 years of a drought and then finally things kind of turned around with the pickup of uh, Derek Carr and uh, Amari Cooper and signing in free agency. Um, Oh gosh. Marshawn Lynch this yeah. year or quote unquote trading or whatever they mechanize that. And you know, and Crabtree signing Crabtree as a free agent. So you have two first round picks at receiver, a first round former first round pick at running back, and your second round quick pick quarterback kind of has an ecosystem to work with. And we're not even talking about a guy like Mac on the other side of the ball. For the Bills, the biggest thing is consistency. If they can continue with this consistency, and they can draft guys that are fits for McDermott and fits for Rico Dennison, their offensive coordinator. I think they can do damage in the AFC, but it's going to take time. And if it's going to be with a new quarterback, it's going to be even more uh, paramount for them to find that number one receiver to throw it to. If you didn't think you were going to sign Watkins, they still need that a number one guy. Could it be Zay Jones? Sure. But I look at Julio Jones and you need a player like that in today's NFL to give your quarterback a chance and not just a sum of parts. I don't think that's going to work too well.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on in Buffalo. And uh, I, I have certainly vocalized my opinion over the last year or so that they were a little bit dysfunctional. Um, mm-hmm. with the Absolutely. With, you know, I know Rex Ryan wasn't a great coach, but it was one of those things where I felt like firing him after two years and, and not giving him – Another opportunity to sort of um, pull it all together um, didn't make a ton of sense. And then sort of the will they, won't they dance that they played with Tyrod in terms of keeping him this offseason didn't really make a lot of sense to me at all. Um, and, you know, the, the Bills have new ownership, uh, the, what, the the Pakula family, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it just seems like to me that they seem a little bit out of it at times in terms of what they're trying to do with that team. And so it'll be interesting to see if if McDermott is given that opportunity and if they can sort of use the draft capital that they've now accumulated and you, use some of the, the assets that they've been able to add the last couple of years in the draft and in free agency, including my very beloved Patrick DeMarco. <laughs> um, to sort of build off of and, and finally sort of break that drought because it is getting ridiculous that, you know, they, they it seems like every third or fourth year the Bills get to 8-8 eight and eight and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be the year where they, get, they finally get back to the playoffs and then for various reasons it just doesn't work out and they have to sort of restart the cycle anew again. Um, and it seems like, you know, the last couple of years they've really been on the cusp of that. And it just never seems to be working out in their favor. And so as someone who in the early 90s, when I was first falling in love with football, watching the Bills um, go to the Super Bowl every year and, and with Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and always having affinity for that um, team and sort of having a soft spot in my heart, given sort of the heartbreak that they you and, and other Bills fans suffered um, watching your team lose four straight Super Bowls Um I would like to see that team get back to a point where they are, um, you know, relevant for lack of a better term in, in the NFL again. Oh,
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And that's something they have to aspire to. I think one of the things that uh, coach McDermott throws out is the idea of being playoff caliber and everything you do. And while typically a lot of coach speak is just empty words. I like that approach because it forces them to face the fact that a lot of what they have done over the past 18 years has not been playoff character caliber. The defense, they've had great defenses. They've had decent offenses. I mean, for all of the Bill's fans complaints about Tyrod Taylor, I think the biggest issue is he scores quote unquote, too many rushing touchdowns and not enough passing touchdowns. As we've gone into this era of fantasy football, having the top 10 scoring offense should be a good thing. But for Bill's fans, because it's mainly on the rushing side of the ledger, it's not. And so um, I'm really a big fan of uh, my colleagues in the Buffalo blogosphere that you brought on earlier, Cover One, because I think Eric and his, his crew do a great job of showing film-based reasons, not just emotional or half film, half opinion, where you you know you can cherry pick. Oh, he should hit this guy; he was wide open. Well, he's running against the grain to his left, and the receiver's on the other side of the field, and he currently has Von Miller chasing him. I don't think that's going to happen. So. I think those little things have added up over the years where Bills fans will look for any issue. If a quarterback is not you know, the next Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan, they have to improve because you need a, quote-unquote, franchise quarterback. And my argument always has been you need a complementary quarterback. You need someone that can work within the system. I think even in my youth, one of my biggest issues I had with Matt Ryan was, I felt that he relied too much on a system a la Brady. But the older I get, the more I realize that's actually a good thing. The more you have a quarterback in the system that makes him successful, the more the team's successful. So what's the point? If you're trying to – this isn't Madden where you're trying to prove you can take a team that has, like, all 60 ranked players to the Super Bowl because you can hit a button quick. This is real life where I would want a guy I'm paying $120 million to have
1: the best tools around him possible. That's a good point. Um yeah, like for me with Tyrod, like I, to, the way I sort of view Tyrod is, to me, he's a lot like Alex Smith in, in the sense of, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're probably not going to be expecting your team to win Super Bowls with him, um, similar right. to sort of how San Francisco and Kansas City have been the last couple of years with Alex Smith, but I certainly think he's more than capable of being a quarterback that you can get to the playoffs every single year, and maybe, you know... If 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 things break your way, you you might be able to get lucky and 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 get to the AFC Championship game, and maybe you know if you're in the AFC Championship game, you never know what can happen. So I I feel like that's sort of the the type of quarterback that Tyrod is capable of being, but I think he's been hurt by the fact of, of the things I mentioned earlier, where it just doesn't seem like the organization is fully committed to him. Either they have a GM that likes him, but the coach doesn't. Or they have a coach that really likes him, but the GM doesn't. Or something like something along those lines. And so you never get a team that's really been like, okay, we know Tyrod has his strengths. We know he has his weaknesses. We are going to build a team around his strengths. And that's going to be a team similar to what Russell Wilson had early in his career in Seattle, where he wasn't the driving force of that offense. And and honestly, when you look at the last couple of years when he has been more of the driving force of that offense, they haven't really reached the heights that they did Previously to that, you look at Cam Newton as well. You look at Alex Smith as well. Good defense, running the football, putting some uh, some capable weapons at the wide receiver and tight end position. And that's a formula for success for any team, uh, not just sort of those quarterbacks and whatnot. But uh, I do think it's one of those things where... I feel sorry for Tyrod. If the Bills do happen to move on from him, I hope he gets another opportunity elsewhere and for an organization that is going to be fully committed to him. If the Bills do decide that they want to keep going in that direction, I just really hope that you know instead of doing this, well, we'll 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 see what we'll evaluate Tyrod at the end of the season. It's like no, we're going to commit you know two or three years with Tyrod, and we're going to try to make him into the best possible. Uh, version of the quarterback that we know he's capable of being and and we're not going to play this this dance of um you know every eight games it seems like we're on the verge of trying to bench him just because he hasn't lived up to these expectations that are kind of um not really fair because as you mentioned earlier, he's not really being given um all the assets that he probably needs to to be successful
0: yeah i I mean for me, I just look at this give him a shot with his complete compliment like I wanted this year to be that just give him Watkins give him as many weapons as possible and then at the end of the year if you feel like he's middling or he's not even middling and he's below average okay move on find someone else but I feel like doing it this way you not only invite calls for fellow former Panther Nate Peterman uh, but you also set up this throng to look for the season beyond and not just the current season. Uh, I, I think Tyrod can be a good quarterback. I, but one of the first things I said when they were doing the will, they won't, they dance, when Doug Whaley was trying to intimate they didn't want Taylor and uh, McDermott wanted him, is if you put him on the Broncos or you put him on the Cardinals, he's a fine quarterback. In fact, the Broncos offered him more at the time he signed in Buffalo to compete for the starting job because at the time Rick Dennison, knew him as did Gary Kubiak and they knew they liked him. I always tell Bill's fans, imagine a world where you're complaining, man, I wish we had a quarterback like that Tyron Taylor. They already had someone built behind Manning and they were in a perfect position to replace Osweiler. And the guy just came in and produced, you know, that's what would be the siren song of Bill's fans. Why didn't our front office make a bold move, like picking that guy up or offering him a little bit more money, but instead it's always looking at his, uh, his uh, issues. You know, I, like I said before, I'm a big person on find a quarterback strength, find his weaknesses, hide the weaknesses, maximize his strength. I think you can make a lot of money. I think you can win a lot of games in the league. And you mentioned Alex Smith and he's with one of my favorite coaches in the NFL and Andy, we read for years, we've heard that you can't run the spread offense in the NFL. Well, I don't mean to tell anyone anything they don't know, but Kansas city's running the spread offense with the West coast offense in their, and, and their team. I mean, they brought in Alt, who was the father of the pistol offense, to be their coordinator. And then before he got his promotion, uh, Chili, uh, Brad Childress, was the spread game uh, specialist and analyst for Andy Reid for the last three years before now he, he uh, became co-offensive coordinator with Nagy, and now he's, I think, officially assistant head coach, offensive coordinator or something like that. So Andy's been ready for the last Four years to commit to a spread offense, and he's now doing it. Like he's trying to option, he's doing all the stuff Alex Smith did in Utah. If they did stuff like that with Taylor with a quality cast, I would say he's ready to explode. And if it's not here, I hope it's with another team.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Well, Rich, um, I appreciate you coming on talking with me, talking football, um, talking Bills football. Uh, I hope for our listeners, they don't mind an, an extra dose of. of Bill's content this week, uh, you know, we certainly dive very deep on the Falcons. It's a daily podcast for the Falcons, so I, I hope no one's complaining that they missed one out of 80 shows that will be Falcon-centric. Um, but I, I want you to let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your stuff, uh, your football stuff, and I know you do uh, some wrestling stuff, and I know there's a lot of listeners um, as well that, uh, you know, double-dip in, in the two sort of gladiatorial sports that we have here in America.
0: <laughs> absolutely so if you're interested in my crazy takes you can hit me up on twitter at rich underscore fan f-a-n-n and uh i write for buffalo so at buffalo wins all one word and on the wrestling tip i uh write for the i i, I don't write i actually host a radio show for the pro wrestling torch It's called the deep dive with rich fan where i do what aaron was just doing i dive deep into wrestling subjects though so, and I bring on guests and we talk about sometimes it'd be really silly things like your favorite uh, sibling in a wrestling family or very serious things like wrestling and racism and how you deal with being a fan of something that may not necessarily always have been a fan of you as a person of color. And so it's fun. It's an hour every week on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. And I would love for you guys to join in. You can reach that at Livecast, or if you want to email a topic, dive at gmail
1: dot com. There you go, guys. Well, Rich, appreciate you coming on. Um, next time I um, I'm up in Pittsburgh, I will definitely try to hit you up so uh, we can hang out and catch up on uh, old old stuff. Yeah, I remember you, you mentioned the NCAA football thing, and that was for those people. This was long enough ago where that was back when Miami was Miami, and there was mm-hmm. a rule on the floor that. Unless you've never played this game before, you weren't allowed to play with Miami because they were so much better than everybody else. And I remember the team that I used to always get was Oregon State. They had, um, who was the running back? It was uh, Ken Simonton. And I would just like run yeah. circles around people. It was hilarious. Uh, you know, Rich was <laughs> was probably the only person that really gave me trouble playing that game. But uh, we, we had a lot of fun playing those, those games back in the day. And uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think I was, um, I think I was Navy. I know it was a triple option team because it was just I just
1: had so much fun running the triple option in that game. Yeah, yeah, those that those are the good old days back when. Uh, I guess that was like right when the PS2 came out around that time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I remember many a nights uh, hanging out playing Grand Theft Auto and just like you play, you drive around, cause mayhem for fifteen minutes. Until you get, you know, your four or five stars, and the police kill you. Pass the controller to somebody else. You, you, you drive around, cause all the mayhem you want for fifteen minutes, and and uh, spending many a night. Uh, as uh, at least, in, in my opinion, no offense to you, Rich, but as uh, at least for me, a lame freshman not hanging out uh, playing video games with uh, a couple of
0: fellas. Oh no, no, that was that was part of the thing. I knew at some point people were going to transition to beer and parties and whatnot so in the interim we could at least try that
1: yeah definitely well uh rich appreciate you uh coming on and talking with me and i certainly will be keeping touch with you the rest of the season and keeping track of what's going on in buffalo
0: i appreciate it Aaron, and good luck for the falcons both sunday and beyond
1: all right man talk to you later all right guys I hope you enjoyed that fan Friday. I know it's not a Falcon fan. I hope big boy Brewski doesn't hurt doesn't hate me for that, but uh you know, when I, when I found out that Rich this offseason was doing um radio stuff and, and website stuff for the Bills, um I think it was like in January or something like that, and So I was like, oh, and then I knew the Falcons were going to be playing the Bills this year, and I was like, oh, I I definitely got to get rich on the podcast at some point. Um, Yeah, we we go back many, many years, back to 2001 um, of my freshman year at Pitt. So uh, old friend, old buddy of mine, it's good talking with him, catching up with him. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that, talking a little bit more, I guess, existential stuff, going on big picture stuff with the Bills as opposed to dialing in to the specifics of this game. Um, If you wanted more sort of specifics outside the first five to ten minutes of this show, then you have an hour and you basically have a whole hour and ten minutes, I think, with me and and Kevin Messer uh, on yesterday's show on the Crossover Pod. Kevin does, um, is one of the co-hosts for Locked on Bills, and um yeah, so you have there's a lot of football talk in that one. Like if if you're thirsty for <laughs> for for matchup talk and and you know what's how does this team deal with this and how are they gonna handle this? You know, you got an hour plus of that stuff. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already. As always, we we give away pro football focus edge account on this show every week on this um locked on podcast network we are giving away a pro football edge account for every show every week so how do you get this access to this illustrious pro football focus edge account well you go to locked on falcons on itunes leave a rating and review there uh, five stars definitely five stars only five stars and include your twitter handle in the review And uh, at the end of each week, someone will be randomly picked um, to win a a free Pro Football Focus Edge account. That's a $40 value. You get player rankings. You get access to all their draft fantasy articles, draft profiles, stats. You know, all the stuff that you come to know with Pro Football Focus. Um, Also, just want to let you guys know that... The director of Pro Football Focus Fantasy, Jeff Ratcliffe, is going to be on Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer every Thursday. You can also check out Mike Renner, friend of this show, on Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson every Wednesday. So uh, go check out those shows each week to get your um, football fix because I know you guys are hungry for it. I know many of you listened to that hour and a half long episode yesterday and still were like, "I want more." So you can get that on the Locked On. Uh, podcast network so alright standard outro here we go let's let's see if we can do this in, the, in about a minute and, and ten um, twitter is where you can reach the show the twitter address for the show is locked on falcons you can also reach me on twitter at falcfans just let me know it's podcast related if you don't like 140 character or 280 character limits if you're not up to date on twitter expanding it's character, potential, potentially expanding the character limits um if you don't like character limits then there are no character limits in email which is lockedonfalcons on falcons at com. you can also send in your questions on facebook that is lockedonfalcons on falcons on facebook give us a like while you're there audioboom.com falcons.com the show is posted daily on both of those sites you can leave a comment there so that's it guys We'll be back next week. I still haven't decided exactly what the schedule is. I'm working on getting a guest for Thursday is, but the plan right now is Monday. You get your standard rapid reaction. Tuesday, we'll get a more in-depth recap with a Falcons guest as well to this Bills game. Wednesday will be the all 22 review slash Q and a Thursday is a little bit up in the air. That would normally be the, the show that we preview the upcoming week's matchup, but the Falcons are on a buy next week. So, We'll, we'll, I'll figure something out. I'll try to do something fun for you guys. If you have any suggestions on what that Thursday show will be or should be, then by all means, send in your comments, questions, and emails and, and all that sort of stuff to Twitter, Facebook, email, or wherever uh, is convenient to you. And then Friday we'll do a fan talk, a fan Friday. Probably, almost certainly, we'll have a Falcon fan on. So if you did not like this. Fan Friday, this buffalo fan friday um then uh we'll we'll get back to an Atlanta one um we can talk all about you know lemon pepper versus buffalo wings, you know, huh, given my uh propensity for chicken wings, it's weird that now, on the final show in the final two minutes of this week's podcast, this was the first time I thought about chicken wings uh this should have been all I was talking about this week um Given it's Buffalo versus Atlanta, but eh, whatever. Um, you know, I guess I'm I'm too focused on football and not other stuff. You know, you can go check out other podcasts for the other stuff. Oh, Aaron the is real. Ooh. All right, that's it, guys. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. Hopefully, the Falcons come away as winners. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal.